We did it. Thank you so much for joining us for all four parts of our special drama celebration of Wicked's 20th anniversary. We really, really, really wanted to do this because Wicked means so much to us, as I know it does to all of you. And we tried to give you a really fun, diverse collection of people with varied experiences of being in Wicked. And today's episode is no exception. Carrie Ellis first British actress to play Elphaba. She gives you her entire story of auditioning and getting cast in the show and her entire journey that brought her to Broadway and then back to the West End. She holds a very special place in the heart of me, in the heart of Dylan, because she was the first Elphaba that we saw on Broadway when we finally got to see Wicked on Broadway after years of being obsessed with the show. So Thank you for joining us for our little Wicked series this month. And if you're new to drama, thank you for joining us. I hope you've fallen in love with us. And if you want more, you can go to patreon.com slash the drama podcast for more episodes featuring your favorite twins, aka me and Dylan. And we have special chats that are just between the two of us where we talk about pop culture, our personal lives, the juicy behind the scenes tidbits that we don't see on the main show. And even better, you get access to our Instagram close friends where the tea is spilled. So thank you again for joining us. We hope you go back and look at our vast collection of episodes from the last almost four years of doing the pod. And please enjoy Carrie Ellis. Love, love, love to you. And I hope that you're feeling extra wicked after our little series. All right, on to the show. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to taste in. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option now. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I am Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. Connor, we are up a little bit earlier than normal this morning, but it's for a very good reason. I know, and it's the end of our Wicked 20 month on I the know, pod. I know. This is our last one, and we saved an incredible treat for the listeners. I know. And we'll dive into it in a second. Yeah. But... It's been really special, and I know that you, as someone who works on the advertising team for Wicked, talk about the show every single day, but I'm sure it's been fun to experience it again as a fan and as someone who appreciates it back from the way you used to view it before you were working on the the advertising and everything. Right, no, for sure. Okay, we'll talk about Wicked in a second. Yeah. But really quick, I just want to say, you're you're in New York right now. We're together. I am. I am. If the audiences can't tell from our snappy repartee in person for once. Yeah, no, no Zoom delay. No Zoom delay. Yeah, I came into town for the Broadway flea market. Love. And, you know, had to get my merch on, even though I didn't really get much. But it was just a really fun opportunity to meet listeners in the wild. Always mm-hmm. so fun. See some friends in person. And, of course, see some shows, which I loved. Got to see The Cottage. We saw Here Lies Love. Which loved. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that on another podcast, And too, then but. I randomly saw Book of Mormon, which is so funny because it's been out forever, and I'd never seen it on Broadway, but it was so fun to go. When something's running for so long, it's kind of like with Phantom. Like, we yeah. waited till the very end. Like, I just kept thinking, oh, I'll see it. Mm-hmm. You know, it... And then it starts to close, and you're like, all right, I have more reason. I, but I love that you went yeah. to the Book of Mormon. Well, because you had plans without me. Well, you made a last-minute trip. Anyway, okay. <laughs> we got to get into the episode. There's so much to discuss. I know. This is such a big deal for us. One of our favorites, not even just of Wicked, but, like, 
in general, one of the greatest voices in the world ever. I know. And let's take it back to the summer 2008. Ooh. It was the first time we saw Wicked on Broadway. Love. And one of our queens, Kendra Kassebaum, was Glinda because she had toured and we had wanted to see her eventually. My boy Aaron Tveit. Let's not forget that Aaron was Tveit Fiero. was Fiero at mm -hmm, the time, mm -hmm. which was a gag. And then the London legend herself, was Alphaba. And here we go. And you're going to read her in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, our guest today is affectionately known as the First Lady of the West End. You know we love a trip across the pond here on the pod, so we're proud to chat with this mega star. Perhaps best known to American audiences as Alphaba and Wicked as the first British actress to play the role on Broadway and in the West End, she received multiple awards for her time as the Green Girl and has been decorated for her leading roles as Meet and We Will Rock You, Nancy and Oliver, Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady, Ellen in Miss Saigon, and Fantine in Les Mis. She even followed Nicole Scherzinger's Grisabella in Cats at the London Palladium, starred in Murder Ballad, Rent, The Importance of Being Earnest, Chess, opposite Adina Menzel and Josh Groban, and most recently Anything Goes as Reno Sweeney. Her musical relationship with Queen guitarist Brian May has resulted in countless collaborations, including her Wicked and Rocky P, the album Anthems, which topped UK charts and sold out venues across the pond, as well as the albums Acoustic by Candlelight, KE, and the recently released Kings and Queens. This icon just appeared in Schwartz at 75 and will be seen in the titular role of Diana in the UK premiere of the musical In Concert. You can purchase all of her albums and her memoir, Bumpkin to Broadway, at her website. We're gagged to have this sensation with us today. Please welcome to drama, Carrie Ellis. Oh my God, you guys, I can't even, I don't even know what to say after that <laughs> intro. That was insane. I need, to, I need to steal that from you. That was amazing. I'll email it to you for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, we're so happy to have you here with us today. Are you well? I'm very well. And uh, yeah, it's a joy to see your faces and, uh, and to, it, I'm just fascinated. It, you taking me back to like, you know, those early stages of Wicked with lovely Kendra and, and Aaron. And I was like, oh my God, I'm just reliving this, <laughs> this moment in time. And it's, uh, it was just bringing it all back. So yeah, I'm well, I'm good. I'm excited to chat to you guys. Oh, Aww. it's like we mentioned, it's such an honor. Where do we find you today? I know that you mentioned you were just on a cruise. I was on a cruise. Well, I mean, I've traveled a lot of miles in the last kind of few weeks. I, I've been, yeah, I've been on a cruise for a little while. I did an Atlantis cruise as well, which, um, which was a, a huge LGBTQ plus. I hope I haven't left any of them out. You got uh, them all. You got them all. I hope so. <laughs> um, and it was an, an electric cruise. I mean, the show just was insane. It was like I was Lady Gaga. It was just, <laughs> but I, I had the best time. And yeah, last night I was in Sheffield doing, doing a charity concert for a cancer charity called BB with Love, which was, so much fun. So yeah, there's lots of variety at the moment, but I've, I've traveled a lot of miles. So today I'm at my house, my home in Hitchin in Hertfordshire in the UK. And it's nice to just sit still for five minutes. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. That's, that's really awesome. I mean, you're in demand. That's why you're traveling all over the place. My God. Yeah. What was Words at 75 concert recently? Yeah. So, I mean, it was, again, it was just a one evening thing. It was just celebrating him. He flew over for it. It was 
just a variety evening of, of lots of his music celebrating him and his shows and, and he it was so nice to see him you know because I don't I think the last time I saw him was at the opening of a show that he was over for and I went to I went to see it and I literally briefly saw him in the audience so I, it was nice to kind of catch him backstage and, and chat for five minutes and those relationships are like that you know I, I've mm-hmm. spent a lot of like good couple of years seeing him quite a lot and then I haven't seen him for ages so yeah it was nice to it's nice to see him and celebrate him and his music oh, I love that well you know as we celebrate 20 years of Wicked we mentioned at the top and our listeners have heard episodes with us talking about the show the last few weeks but I'm curious about your connection to the piece was the first time you met Stephen when Wicked was coming to the West End or had you met him before that uh, I hadn't met him before that no yeah the first time I met him was when he he arrived in, in one of the rehearsals in London. And, you know, the pressure was kind of not on me so much because obviously Adina was there for the first three months. So even though he was there in rehearsals very fleetingly, you know, it wasn't kind of, the, the spotlight wasn't on me. So it, it pressure was off. It was when he came back, when I opened in the show, you know, that was that was a little hairy. But he was <laughs> so lovely. He's such a great guy and so so warm and supportive. And when you're kind of interpreting his songs and his music, he's just kind of he's the best guy. You know, he just lets you do it. He just, let, he just lets you be and, and embody his his songs. And I can't wait to see what they do with the movie and yeah. what he does with the movie. And if he has any changes or if he writes any new songs or you know i think that's going to be fascinating did you hear any whispers of anything because i know it filmed or or mostly filmed in london yeah 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 i mean i know it's kind of been you know top secret we've probably seen what you guys have seen you know the snapshots on on instagram and i know where it's filming but it's kind of like you know fort knox you can't get near it and (laughs) i know they had to send drones in to take pictures and videos that's so wild Really, I haven't really seen much of it, but I'm I'm excited to see it. You know, it's going to be great, and it, it's always weird those those things because you're so close to it in a way. But I kind of want it to be completely different. I kind of want it to you know, be not like the show. You know, I know, right? Because we've all seen the show so many times, and you've I mean, you've obviously been in it a bunch of times. When was the first time that you actually saw it? In London, when it when Adina opened the show. I mean, I didn't yeah. see it in New York until again until I went over to be in the show and weirdly I did like my audition for Wicked I wrote about all this in my book because I thought it's fascinating and you know we talk about people say what's right for you and and the jobs that you miss and I'm a big believer in you know what's what's yours is coming your way you know you can't kind of fight it and, and if it's not for you it's not for you and weirdly I didn't really know about Wicked but I was auditioning for Evita and we I'd done a bunch of shows I'd done like Les Mis and Miss Saigon and We Will Rock You I'd originated a role I, so I you know people were kind of knowing me on the circuit a little bit and I thought you know yeah this is my time Evita is my role you know I, and it's I, I'm born to play this role and there was a, a fantastic new version coming over and right. I was super excited. I had a few auditions. It was going really well. And then the final round, I got the call kind of saying, it's not gone your way. And I, I was convinced that this was my time. I'm going to do the show. And I remember literally walking down Compton Street. I had the black dress, the red lip, the hair, the whole thing. <laughs> and I was kind of like, oh, it really took the wind out myself. You know, this, this, I'm devastated. I thought this, I'd really nailed this. I'd really done my homework. Anyways, literally an hour later, I was doing Lamers at the time and I got another call from my agent saying, yeah, you know, as one door closes, another opens, you've got an audition for a show called Wicked. And I was like, 
okay, didn't really do anything <laughs> about it. And so kind of got hold of the, the CD at the time, which yes. it was and started to listen to this music. And my first thoughts were, absolutely not. I can't sing that. I can't go near it. That's too difficult. I should have listened to my gut, really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I started to learn a couple of the songs and, you know, get my head around it. And then, and it's funny, once you, once you kind of have a connection with something, you just start to hear about it. I started to kind of hear about all this excitement about New York. And this was pre-social media. So I couldn't just like jump on YouTube or something and have a look at it. Mm -hmm. There was nothing. There was nothing to look at. All I had was this cast album. So auditions, blah, 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 blah. And it got the role. Great. And then, yeah, like that started to just, it was kind of good because I didn't have any preconceptions. I had no ideas about it. So everything that I kind of brought to it was was literally fresh because I had no, you know, other information. So, I mean, that was kind of the start of my journey with it. You know, the show changed my life. Uh, so were you going in to be a replacement Alphabet? Because was Adina always going to open it? Or was it for the standby? Well, this is even more funny. So when I first went in, I sang for Elphaba and they then there, probably because of what I look like, gave me the Glinda material. And oh. I sang a little bit of soprano as well, but it's not really my thing. So I'm like singing for both witches. And I have no idea about the show. I'm kind of going, this is all a bit weird, but I'm guessing like, you know, the Elphaba bit is a bit more me. But so in the first round, I sang for both witches and then then that quickly went away and i started to sing for alphaba but originally no when i got the the original offer it was to open in london okay oh. so whether it was being i don't know negotiated maybe yeah negotiated or whatever i don't know because i found out quite soon after whether you know she was negotiating with the if it's going to work or whatever so then i found out that she was going to come and do the first three months and I would just stand by for those first three months and then I would, you know, they would do a relaunch and I would, I would start and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, it was kind of, in a sense, it was a bit, I was like, oh, you know, that's annoying. Yeah. No, I, can't, I can't be, I, I'm not opening the show as such. But that said, it did give me a chance to, pressure was off me because she opened the show, which was fantastic. And there was all the excitement and drama, but then I got a chance to kind of sing the show in learn what it was all about and then when my time did come yeah i was ready and i was excited by it and also had she not have come over i wouldn't have gone to broadway i wouldn't have been able to be that exchange and go go to broadway you know those, those that year later so it was it kind of again it was all out there and it was meant to be mm -hmm. you're right it, it was when adina was playing the role and you were standing by did you get to go on at all i did you, you know the very first time i went on was literally halfway through a show just before Gravity. Wow. Literally. This usually happens at the beginning of a show. You know, I'm not that girl. She obviously said, I, I'm, I can't do it today. I'm done. This is too, it's too difficult. As we've all been through that, you know, and literally, I mean, people just started throwing green makeup at my face. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, it's going to happen. This is going to happen. But literally, we did the switch as... There's a turnaround part in after. It was literally as, oh. as she she goes off in um, literally before gravity to get the broom or something. And there's like a little runaround before, before the scene of gravity. And I literally came on, did that tiny scene and went into the song. It was, <laughs> it was mad. I don't really remember it, if I'm honest. It was like a 
crazy moment. That is wild. The audience was probably a little confused, but... <laughs> By the accent, probably. By the yeah. accent, yeah. Okay, right. So, yeah, that accent, I remember when you were... Did she do... She didn't do a British accent when she was... Uh, no, okay. no. Okay. But you did an American accent. Badly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought it was great. It was great. There was only... I remember one time that I, it kind of peaked through, and I loved it. I remember one oh, time. Yeah. I would get little notes about, you know, little little nuances and vowels and stuff, and I'd be like, ooh. It's <laughs> terrifying. You know, you're in front of an American audience, and mm. you know, you've got to convince them that you can do a great American accent. And, oh, I loved it. I mean, you know, if I'd have told my seven-year-old self that I would be playing a you know, a hit show on Broadway. I mean, I would, I just, it was a dream as a kid. So I, to be actually living that out and be actually able to, to do that was, was amazing. And you were like the five year anniversary alphabet, right? Yeah, I know. It, but again, that seems like, I can't, I, it, I, it feels like yesterday. It doesn't feel that long ago, but mm. yeah, it was, it was quite early on. Weirdly. Yeah. And was the show different when you came to the States versus the production that was playing on the West End? Not, not really. I mean, the show is so structured anyway. It's so um, technical that it literally was. I could. Li I literally left the show on the Saturday night in London, flew that weekend and was opening. I mean, I had a couple of days put in and I was opening that weekend. It, it was so fast. Oh, my um, goodness. It's literally identical on the stage, mm -hmm. obviously, it's, it's because it's all numbered. Everything is so specific. So, you know, my body was kind of moving in the right direction and just doing it. But what is weird is it's so familiar, apart from the accents, and then you go off into the wings and it's like, oh, it's like a dream because you, <laughs> it's very familiar but unfamiliar. It's like when you have those dreams and you can't find the stage. Or, it's those. So that was weird. But the audience's response was different. Um, not, not as in how they just responded because it's such an interactive show. It's such a... A great audience kind of vibe. It's it's electric. It's it's fantastic. But where the Brits would laugh and where the Americans would laugh, it was very different. Ah. Very different. And that took me a minute, you know, to kind of just slow down and get get where those reactions were going to come. It was fascinating. It really was. There's a different relationship to the Wizard of Oz. I think either side. I think it's. I don't know. There's just a different relationship to it. That's interesting. I guess I hadn't really thought about I that. Know. Yeah. What would you look forward to most? What moment in the show, I suppose? Um, you know what? It really would depend on the day massively because most people that have played it will say this. It's like running a marathon. You know, it's, it's so, it's so demanding vocally, physically, you know, emotionally, all those things that it's like I've got into running like when the last four years and if you've got a good day and you can your legs don't feel like they're running at all and it's just amazing and you can run for miles and then other days your legs feel like lead and you can go a mile <laughs> and Wicked is exactly that you know there'll be days when it just is effortless and, be, and you love singing all the tough stuff and like I would come out and enjoy you know Wizard and I it's a big song to start off with and then I'd love Gravity and I'd love Nobody but on other days it would just it would just feel really tough so I'd be anxious about Nobody and anxious about Gravity weirdly one of the hardest songs for me to sing was For Good because hmm. Stephen beautifully brilliantly but so so brutally wrote For Good where the witches kind of switch so the so Elphaba just goes on top and starts to use her mix. That you know, it's very floaty and, and mm -hmm. kind of takes the lower line. Which after you've belted for two hours, it's just not. It's not possible. It just doesn't come. <laughs> it 
So I, that, and especially me, because I'm a, I'm a real kind of belting is, is what I do. I don't have that kind of mix thing very well. So by the end of the show, I wouldn't have that kind of mix left. So that would terrify me. I always loved, I'm not that girl. I just loved it because it was a moment to just kind of breathe and, and enjoy and just kind of take it all in. You could kind of stop for a minute. And no good deed. I loved no good deed. It kind of, that was kind of my go-to. It didn't matter how I was feeling. I could usually just get into that. Love it. Yeah. I love the rendition of I'm Not That Girl that you did for your, like your Wicked Rock. Did they sold the theater, the Wicked they and Rock? They did sell it at the merch stand. Yes. And so I remember we had a physical CD of that. And I just remember like loving that song. And it was sort of, it's not really one that people reference when they think about the Alphaba canon per se, but your version was really, really emotional. And the way that Brian May like worked on it, it was just, it's really a beautiful version. It was his kind of idea, really. He When he came to see the show, again, he didn't know anything about it. And he came along and watched. And it was the song that resonated with him, weirdly. Like he said, yeah, of course, we lo I love Gravity and I, it's great. But he said, I love that moment. I like the sentiment. I love the simplicity of it. And he says, and it's heartbreaking because it's when she kind of becomes a bit vulnerable and shows herself. So it, it was him that that kind of came up with that idea of trying that first and, and turning it around a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, I'm grateful and it's nice that it's out there like that. And, and Right. Yeah, proud of it. Do you have any memories of working with Aaron or Kendra oh, That's that, that year? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were just brilliant. I, again, when you, when you go and you do a show in another country and you're being the only person put in, it is a bit strange and it is, it's weird. But they were so lovely and they just held my hand through the whole thing. And, you know, we were, we were kind of young as well. Aaron was young as well. And Kendra, I think, had been doing the show a little bit before. Yeah, she toured quite a bit, I know, with she it. She had real familiarity with it, and, and which was great because it gave up. She just had this kind of aura about her of control and calmness. And Aaron and I were kind of more the young you know, nippers that were kind of going, oh my God, this is so exciting. Um, <laughs> no, he was great. I think he actually was just, he just had an audition when he'd come out of, the, out of it. It might have been for Gossip Girl, I think. Oh, fine. Oh, that feels I, right. I remember yeah. like literally as I'd, I'd left or a little while later, him popping up on Gossip Girl. And, and it, you know, you could see that something was going to happen for him because he was just, mm -hmm. he was so beautiful anyway. And he just, he was magic, you know, you couldn't take your eyes off him. So when I saw him then pop up on the screen, it was, it was lovely. And we, we stay in touch occasionally, send the odd message. And That's really cool. Yeah. Have you been able to make it back to New York much in the, in the last, I mean, decade or so? Yeah. I mean, I, I found myself going back and forth quite a bit before the pandemic, especially I'd go most years. I'm, and obviously I formed a relationship with Frank Wildhorn and we were going back and forth right. doing some music for a little while. I did a few concerts and yeah, came out and love, I love New York. I, my husband and I would go for the weekends and, and stuff. And then the pandemic hit and, and we haven't, we haven't been back since, sadly. And I'm devastated that we haven't and we need a, we need a trip out there. But, um, I love New York. It feels like, you know, it feels like a, there's a part of me that's there, you know. Mm -hmm. It was a real, real period of time of my life, a real important time of my life. Were you married at the time? And did you have kids at the time? Or did that come after you left Broadway? Now, I met my husband six weeks before I left for Broadway. Oh. I met at like um, 
for my friend's wedding. My friend, my, and I was maid of honor, and he was best man. It was that other. And, um, oh my god! <laughs> and I was like, it's weird because in their wedding book, he wrote in their wedding book, "I love the Green Witch," because he was. I was telling him that I I play this role, and he was like. You're a green witch. He's like thinking I probably do panto or something, you know. So, yeah. And he, he just couldn't get his head around it. So I was kind of like, well, I'm not sure this is going to work because I'm going to go to New York in six weeks and, you know, meh. And we kind of hung out for those those six weeks, really. And then he came. He kept coming out every kind of few weeks while I was. Oh. So oh, he was great. serious. It was amazing. You know, well, it was like yeah. a break, wasn't it? I was like, well, if this guy comes and sticks around, then we might make it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> However many, what is it, 17 years later, I mean, we're, here we are. <laughs> With two wow. kids. You have two boys, right? <laughs> two boys, yeah, two boys. Okay, do either of them have the musical uh, bones in their body? I or? think my youngest does. I think Fred has something in him. He's, uh, I think... Yeah, he he sings a bit. He likes to film himself and do like little skits and stuff. So, and he's he's very rhythmical. He remembers lyrics very quickly, unlike his mother. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, maybe I don't know. It's weird. It's 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 very. I think he has something. I love talking to performers who have kids, as they like come of age and they kind of realize who their mom or dad is. Have, have they been able to see a lot of your shows or do they know, do they know you're the first lady of the West End? Yeah, do they know they live with a legend? <laughs> I don't think they care. <laughs> like, That's so funny. I sitting at home, they're like, shut up. <laughs> I mean, the thing for them is that they've been around it since day one. I mean, when they were born, when both of them were born, I was touring with Brian, so they came They came with me on tour, so they've been on tour buses and in theatres, and when I did Rent with Joel, I mean, Alfie was, Alfie was with me a lot of the time. So they've kind of been around it since, you know, since they can remember, and they have seen bit. Alfie did come to Catsbury. I mean, Alfie, when I went back into Wicked the second time, Alfie oh, was really? like six months, so I've got pictures of me as, as Alphabet you know, holding him as a baby, like all green, but he was like oh, that's cute. six months. So he hasn't got a clue. And then obviously I've got a picture with him and I did cats and I got all the cats around him. And again, he's a toddler. But as they got a bit older, they've started to kind of understand a bit more what I do. I don't think they really, for them, it's just almost like they mm. think everybody does. Like everyone's mom and dad do that. They don't uh -huh. see it as a, as a real thing. When you went back to Wicked the second time on the West End, I know I've heard you speak about how it was a very challenging role in general vocally for you throughout. When you went back into it, did you have a new approach to how you would preserve yourself throughout the uh, contract? Massively. I mean, when I was when I first went into the show, like I've never really been trained properly vocally. I was kind of one of those people that was an instinctive singer and I think up until Wicked, I'd not got away with it, but I'd had, I hadn't had anything that had challenged me like that before. Because things like, even We Will Rock You, I had kind of four or five big rock songs, but it was four or five. It wasn't yeah. 12, 13 songs, you know, with all that dialogue. And I think yeah. prior to that, I hadn't really had to think about singing or think about how I was negotiating a show. I guess My Fair Lady was in a sense, but I wasn't doing it every day because I was the understudy. And then when I did play it, I probably played it for a 
few days and then I had a couple of days off. So I always had that recovery time and I was younger. And I think Wicked really, first of all, it, it was quite terrifying for me to suddenly have, be so tired, like have the, have, have vocal kind of fatigue, which I'd not had before. So that was scary. Mm. So in the first kind of few months really did take me a, a, an adjustment of how to sing the show, how to negotiate, how to perform it. And because I was just a guns blazing belter, it, you, I left it all on the stage. Very rock and roll, yeah. That's how I sang, and that's kind of how I still do sing, but there's no way I was going to get through that show doing that. So I learned that very quickly. And, you know, I did, I did harness it and I did manage to kind of, kind of get myself into a place where I, I could manage it. I mean, there would still be times I would, I would be great for a few months and then a month would hit and I'd just be like, you know, it would be like treading water and I'd do four or five mm. shows and then I'd be off a couple and then, you know, it was constantly like that. But when I did go back five or six, I think it was about five years later, I'd learned a lot in those five years. I'd done a lot of my own stuff. I'd done a couple of other shows and yeah, I'd learned a lot about my voice again so, and maturity and age. And I had five years more experience. So I approached the role very differently. So yeah, had a had a real different experience. And I was nervous. I didn't really know if I wanted to go back into the show because I'd had such an amazing experience. And when I left, that evening I left the show was electric. I mean, again, the night I'll never forget that show. It was uh-huh. it was mental and and so magical that I'd kind of sewn up this brilliant experience. And I thought, oh, what if I go back and I can't do it? Or what if I can't sing it? Or what if I'm then terrible and it, it's just all a horrible few months you know and and i don't, don't relive what you know that that greatness that we'd had but weirdly it was a completely different experience and it again equally just as brilliant and electric and exciting and yeah it was it, i'm glad i did I'm glad, I'm glad too is the door closed now you think on on alphaba <laughs> i think i'm closer to a marvel now i think <laughs> no 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 that, you're funny oh my gosh i'm not sure i could get away with being a school graduate of 44. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that you were an instinctual singer and i'm curious about when you get into performing in general we borrow the term ring of keys from the musical fun home because maybe it was a, a performance you were watching or participating in or a film you were just sitting there and you were like, oh my God, I love this so much. I need to be involved. Do you feel like you had a ring of keys moment that got you into the arts? Yeah, I, did. I absolutely did. I mean, I was I was a young kind of, you know, I was a young kid that did all like the dance schools and the, you know, local kind of festivals and all that kind of stuff. I did that when I was young. But I think that was more like, you know, all, all kids did or, you know, especially any, like lots of girls did. You know, there were so many girls. There was, and it was kind of something that we did. And I loved that. And I, I was kind of part of like local pantomimes and stuff. But when my 30th birthday came and my mum and dad took me up to London to see Les Mis, and I remember it so vividly. I, you know, they took me for dinner and we went to Topshop and I bought a jumper and, yes. and went and saw this show and we were sat right at the back in the nosebleed seats, you know. And But I remember hearing that overture and, bum, 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 and, and just going like almost crying almost so emotional just like oh my god this is just i i want to do this i want to be part of this and i don't care how i'm part of it if i'm you know part of the barricade or if i'm you know just putting on the cost whatever i need to be here i need this is where i need to be 
and it was a, it was that moment for me and, and it, it was kind of like a, an eye-opening of oh people can actually really do this you know this is an option so yeah there was definitely that that moment with that show I mean and then I got the double cassette and I sang along uh-huh. and I got a couple of years later and you know it was it was that was the kind of stepping stones yeah so then to play that role I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> was Fantine the one you had your eyes on? Well, Fantine was just, again, something I grew up listening to, you know, and watching that kind of 10th anniversary with Ruthie. And, mm-hmm. and just, it was just something that was part of my growing up. So so it was kind of, you know, when those were, I mean, I went for Les Mis a few times, actually. When I was in college, I went, and I went for an audition, didn't get it. When I left college, I went for an audition, did the workshop, still didn't get it. You know, had a few kind of goes at it. And it, yeah, it wasn't, again, it wasn't the right time. It was, mm-hmm. wasn't meant to do it until I was meant to play the role, which, which, was, which was great. You referred to yourself as a bumpkin in the title of your, your memoir. <laughs> Does that, is that refer to where your, your upbringing was, the part of England that you're from? Yeah, so I'm, I'm from, my husband always used to call me a country bumpkin because I'm from literally <laughs> the middle of the country. There's like, there's nothing there. It's just green and farms and woods. And, you know, I, I grew up in a tiny little village of about 10 houses. It was really kind of, kind of small. I wasn't in a big town. I wasn't in a big city. There was no theater as such. So yeah, I had this kind of, a really good kind of grounded upbringing because I had to fight my way to get to where I wanted to go. You know, it, it wasn't as straightforward for me to just go into London and see a show or go to a, go to pineapple and go to a dance class. It was a, it was like, I need to go to, I need to go to college and I need to move to London and I want to do that at 16. You know, I'm, I'm going. And it was, there was never any, any other choice, or not choice, there was never any other option for me. I was like, no, no, this is what I'm going to do. And my parents didn't have a clue. You know, they did. I was going to say, yeah, were they supportive or? (laughs) They're amazing. And they, I mean, I'm so grateful to them now. I mean, they had, because they, they didn't have a clue. My, my dad was a policeman and my mum worked in social services and they're kind of like, you want to do what? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And they were, they were brilliant. You know, they kind of just, they just supported me the whole way and, and were like, well, great, you know, go do it and kind of go fend for yourself, go figure it out and, you know, stand on your own two feet and, and stuff. And and they were, I wouldn't have been able to do it had I not had their blessing, I think, because it's such a crazy, chaotic industry anyway. To not have their kind of support and blessing, I think, would have been really difficult. And still now, you know, they're still really great now. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Are they um, still there in that town? No, well, they separated when I was at college. So my okay. my mum went like south, like to, to like on the coast, Portsmouth, and my dad's he's kind of still that way in, in Newmarket. Okay, but yeah, my dad babysits my kids all the time. Really good. I mean, they both do, but they're still kind of you know really involved, and and it's it's great. I need you never kind of stop needing them. You know, now I need them. I don't care. It's great. Now we list all your credits at the beginning. You've done. So many incredible mm-hmm. shows played the lead. I mean, the the roles that actors dream of. Do you have a favorite when you look back? I mean, your career is obviously still going and going and going, and we're going to get into Diana in a second. But <laughs> do you have like a proudest moment you can look back on now today and be like, you know what? That was that was it. That was it. It's so difficult to choose between them because. Because they take over like a period of your life, you know, you can be in a show for a year and it becomes part of your life. So 
it kind of like your children, you know, you love them all differently and the same kind of, it's, it's odd. So it's, it's hard. I mean, We Will Rock You was obviously amazing because it was, I originated a role. So being part of that creative period was incredible. Do you feel like that was the moment where you like were like, I've made it? I still don't think I've made it. No! <laughs> I don't think you ever have that kind of like, I've arrived moment. Mm. I think you just constant, I think it's what we do as performers and as, as creative people. We constantly like, just feel like you're treading water the whole time and you're just like, okay, this is amazing. I'm immersing myself in this and that then that finishes. So what's next and it's it's just a constant like it's like a marathon it's it's what it's yeah. longevity but my fair, again my fair lady was amazing because it was a, an insane like opening into a, a crazy industry that was magical how old were you in that that was your first, was my first yeah, right? yeah i think i was 19 or 20 i think it was 20. wow i, I need a time machine like if there's anything i would have loved because it's so different to me from what i'm used to Hearing your voice doing, and I know I need to hear recordings of it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, that there's not even really any photos anywhere because there was no phones. There was no. I mean, we didn't even have. We had big cameras or like the throwaway cameras. We didn't even have. You know, we didn't have access to that. So there's not really any videos or anything of me doing it. And it, I'm so sad about it. It's just <laughs> so sad. And the same with We Will Rock You. I mean, there's a few little bootlegs out there on 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 YouTube now, but. It's just, it's just, it's, it's so sad. I mean, you know, people moan about people filming stuff. But I think it's actually brilliant because it's capturing moments. It's capturing these, these magical things and, it, and in different ways, you know, in a real kind of gritty reality that they're, they're played in. And I think that's, I think there's something fantastic in that. Yeah, everybody wants the glossy version of right. performance, but actually the reality is, is so much more exciting. I think. I'm with you. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's funny to me that you did We Will Rock You and then ultimately end up having this brilliant partnership creatively with Brian May. I'm sure he's like a friend as well, you know, throughout the things. Over the summer, our, our friend that we met through the podcast and who connected us, Joel Harper Jackson, he did a Queen by Candlelight concert here in New York at Carnegie Hall that we got to see. And it was, of course, fabulous. And one of the vocalists sang, No One But You which is a song that we, of course, were introduced to from your music. And I was just taken back. It is just one of the most glorious songs ever. And I feel like I associate it with your voice. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, that song, again, that was a song that, that has been very influential over my life. I mean, it, again, at the time, I didn't really realize the kind of impression and the power that it was having. What I remember so vividly about it was learning it in my dressing room at My Fair Lady. Because we kind of knew, you knew all the Queen songs, but I didn't know that song because it wasn't as a, it wasn't a big hit. It wasn't a big kind of, you know, it wasn't out there like We Will Rock You and Champions and Somebody to Love. And so I was like, I need to, I had to audition with that song. So I was like, I really need to learn this. So I kind of vividly remember how the dressing room was and I was sat there listening to this song. And then I had to go and audition in front of, Brian and Roger and Arnie Phillips and it was being filmed to to send the tapes off to America. It was it was a line of people and of course I'm singing Brian's song to Brian in my audition. Mm -hmm. I, I think at the time I was brilliantly young and not naive but but just kind of fearless. I think if I did it now I'd be absolutely terrified. But I had that kind of I had nothing to prove. I think there was there was no expectation mm -hmm. from me, so I just enjoyed the moment. And obviously, you know, I've gone on to 
be friends with Brian and, and perform and produce and and sing that song all over the world. So it's been a song that's yeah very important to me. Mm. And then Brian played a little bit of a role in your most recent album as well, yeah, right? He did. He did. You know, he's always he's great. I mean, he's he's always kind of there. And the most recent album, Kings and Queens, was was with a different label, and it was ninety percent original material. And because we kind of we voice note most days, Brian and I. <laughs> um, it's kind of how we communicate. We voice note, and it's it's hilarious. I mean, what that's a book in itself. Just our voice notes, to each other. <laughs> and, and they're so random because we share. Um, you know, like he'll talk about, oh, I'm going off on tour and blah blah blah, and I'm here in Austin and what, and then I'll be talking about you know whatever I'm doing that at that time, and he's I bounce stuff off him still, you know. So that album came, and this song came in called Battlefield. And I was sending him rough copies of it going, you know, what do you think about this? And Because he was an external, unbiased person on this album as well. So initially I didn't send it over to him to play on. Because even though I've known him 20 years, I still don't don't kind of take advantage of, of his situation or him, of him, you know. I still right, am right. very respectful of him. But anyway, I sent him this, this song and I'm like, you know what do you think and he's like yeah it's really great it's really great and he offered he said i don't suppose you want me to play on it or do you want i'm like oh hang on a minute brian let me just think about that <laughs> so yeah of course i you know i just i was like yeah I, I would love you to play but i would you know never kind of expect it and and yeah he added a whole new and it was really nice to kind of, again just to have him there just as a little kind of moment on the album and again it's just having that support having that blessing is it's really important. Yeah, he's, he's a great mentor. I can, can throw things his way and go, what do you think of this? Or what about this idea? Or mm-hmm. I'm thinking of doing this. What do you think? And he's, he's just, he's, he's like a friend, but a, a mentor in a sense as well. That's lovely. Yeah. Now, have you been able to promote the out the new album much? Are there going to be any tour dates or concert dates for it? Yeah. I mean, we're planning a tour for the middle of next year. Oh, great. The album came out. I was going to tour it. And then loads of other things came up and we got really busy. Mm-hmm. But I love it so much. I think I'm st- I'm still kind of. It's weird when you when you've got an album out and it's original music. It's difficult to. It's difficult for people to sit and listen to new music that they don't know. Mm-hmm. So when I do my concerts at the moment, I'll throw in one of them or two of them. And I mean, on this last cruise, I did. I I did too. I did Kings and Queens, and I will find you. And they went berserk for it, which was amazing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I throw them in at, at concerts. To, you know, just to get a bit of momentum, and then yeah, next year we're gonna, we're probably going to tour it. So, um, oh, amazing! That's so exciting. Oh, what God. other songs do you throw into your repertoire when you do a concert? Is it the ones that the fans are you know waiting to hear, or do you switch it up usually? It's a mixture. Yeah, it depends on depends on the venue, on the crowd, on where I am. You know how I feel on the day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Because your Atlantis cruise, I'm sure the gays and the queens all wanted the big uh, belty songs. Yeah, that was an interesting show because I was terrified. Actually, we got on the ship and we went to watch some of the other artists. There was years and years on there who were fantastic. Love. They did a fantastic show, and then Ruben Ruben K, who's a little bit like a young Eddie Izzard, is how I and he did a fantastic show. He's Australian. And he had a fabulous voice, but he is a comedian and his wit and he's so fast and so brutal to the audience. And I, <laughs> we were watching and I was going, oh my God. And they were laughing and it was, everyone was rolling around. And I'm going, 
to my MD who I had on, on with me, I'm like, I'm, I'm terrified, you know, this is wrong <laughs> from me and what I am and I can't do all of that stuff, you know, I just, I can't. And I knew that there would be moments that the songs, I knew when, you know, gravity would be okay. And I knew that if I sang somebody to love, that would be fine. And, but I was terrified of like, of talking. And I'm, I'm not in my gigs at all. I have confidence. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Suddenly I was like, oh, this, this might be interesting. Anyway, I mean, the minute I walked on, it was just, it was kind of one of the best shows I've done recently. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it just did me. And, but it was, I did a real mixture of things like, I did Feels Like Home from my last album. I did Kings and Queens from this album, Gravity and Somebody to Love. I did a bit of Greatest Showman. Ooh. Oh, I feel like you would sound great on Greatest Showman. Do you do Never Enough from Greatest Showman? A medley. So it goes Never Enough, Million Dreams, and then This Is Me. So it's... uh, Unreal. Fantastic. You know what the people want. (laughs) (laughs) Now, before we move on to our closing segment, I've got to ask, you're playing Diana. And I know joke. I literally got this this morning and I've just started to breathe through it. And yeah. But they're they're doing it where there's like a younger Diana and then maybe more of like the Diana's the people might remember her type vibe. Okay. To be honest, I don't really know. We're not in rehearsals yet, so I don't know the plans for it. And again, weirdly enough, I've just set up a a, a meeting with with the producer and the director just to start talking about what the plan is. Because the, the thing with something like this is I've started to listen to the music and the music's fantastic it's really great mm. it's really fun people are going to really enjoy it and I, I think there's a new slightly new take on it which is going to be exciting but we've only got a week and then we only do mm. one show so there's a lot of pressure and a lot of you know a lot going on for for one evening but I think what's been exciting about it is there's just this buzz and this uh, so many people are coming yeah. to see it already I've had so many messages saying we're coming, we can't wait, we're excited. And I'm like, I haven't even got anything yet, I don't even know what. But there's a real, there's a buzz about it and that's exciting. So I hope that it's fun. I hope that it's great. And, and I'm, I'm, yeah, we'll see, yeah. we'll see. It might be the start of something, you know, it might go somewhere, yeah. you never know. Yeah, you never know. Maybe a return to the to the West End? Then maybe a trip to Broadway, you never know. <laughs> Do you have a desire to be back on the West End anytime soon? Yeah, I mean, the, the most recent show I did, I did Anything Goes last summer, oh. I loved, I mean, Kathleen Marshall is just the most dreamiest person, and I loved the show so, so much. And that was great to be back in in doing something for a few months was was just so much fun. I think it's really difficult because I have a young family and and I love all the variety that I get to do. I love that I get to go and do my own shows. So to do a musical, it would have to be something really special. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, never say never. I mean, I said that with anything goes. I was like, yeah, I'm fine doing my thing, and then anything goes come up. I'm like, yes, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It depends on depends on the circumstance of the show, but you know, we see, you just never know. I kind of like that about this industry. You never quite know what's going to happen. I mean, it's a little mm-hmm. scary, but I like that. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like you're you really keep like keep us guessing with the variety of different things that you do. So, and it probably brings in more and more people from all corners of yeah you know different fan bases and whatnot so that's why you're so beloved carrie because you're just yeah i don't know if we fangirled enough during this episode but you are just like magical yeah (laughs) this is the moment i know your voice the tone it is just beyond beyond Mm -hmm. beyond beyond so thank you for keeping on giving us more and more content to consume it Mm -hmm. means the world thank you well you know it's not it's nice to know that people still want to hear and still care and still support and that's what it's all about you know it's it's connecting with people and i love the fact that now 
you know, we can do a podcast across the pond without, you know, just jump on a Zoom. I love yes. that, that we can connect more than we used to. And, and long may it continue because it's, it's, it's wonderful. Absolutely. Totally. Well, we could talk to you about all of your credits and your life and your career and everything <laughs> forever, but we do have to wrap up. Before we say goodbye, we will quickly share a dose of drama mm. with our listeners. This is something that's on our mind that we've been thinking about, consuming, want to rant about, rave about. And I have something that happened last night that was so cool i went to new york film festival i went to the premiere screening mm -hmm. of the new film starring andrew scott and paul mescal claire foy and jamie bell all of us strangers and oh my god it was amazing the director andrew hay was there to do a q a and he introduced the film and it was absolutely beautiful i know it comes out in wide release in december at least in the states but took my breath away it was almost unbearably moving as a film and so sincere Absolutely loved it. Cannot wait to see it again. So I, I can't stop thinking about it. I mean, I, I know I just saw it last night, but I'm already like, oh my God, when I go back and see it again, I need to look out for this and that. And that's my favorite kind of piece of content. You can always get a little more from it every single time. So just love, that. love, 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 love. Love that when something really kind of, it's like when you read a good book, isn't it? It just stays with you and you mm -hmm. you almost want to talk about it all day, every day to everyone. <laughs> everyone else has a clue with what you're talking about. Yeah, but I love yeah I know, I'm so jealous. Like that with, with Succession, we were a bit late to the party with Succession and we, we kind of, we started to then binge it and we then we stopped and then we binged it again and it, and I was the same. I was like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was just absolutely obsessed. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was really, was really well done. My dose of drama is, which you have convinced me. I don't know if I mentioned it yet. Peaky Blinders. Are you familiar? Have you watched Peaky Blinders, Carrie? Love Peaky I loved Peaky Blinders. Oh, oh my God. God. I, I, oh, I, I, we're late to the party on I that. know. We just did it. Killian Murphy. I, I mean, me. Amazing. You could just watch his face do anything you know he i binged the first two seasons and then i started three and i was like i need to slow down i don't want this to end so quickly like it I is know. just so good and i love joe cole who plays john who's his like who's his brother he, he well, just, he's cute he's, so he's cute he's cute and blonde which i love you know and so he's and he's actually going to be doing a west end show i saw that he just announced oh. something i forget what it is but I'm obsessed, and I am so glad I you convinced me to watch it, Connor. That's great. But, yeah. Very well written, beautifully acted, well mm -hmm. done show. You yeah, know? Carrie. In addition to Succession, do you have any sort of dose of drama for us today? Or I do have a dose of drama. I again, I was a bit late to the party with this one, but when Cabaret came here in London with lovely Eddie Redmayne, it took me forever to go and see it. Because, only because one because I was busy and two I couldn't get a ticket and you know so there was too, too many obstacles in the way and then literally I finished I finished my first Shakespeare play which I was very proud of I did a Midsummer Night's Dream up in Stafford and a friend of mine who was in the show we were like let's go and see Cabaret together because he had a friend in the show and blah blah so literally we finished the show a couple of weeks and we went and saw the show which wasn't that long ago and I was obsessed have you seen it oh, oh yeah. yeah we were in london in january oh. and we got to oh. see it and it was stunning mind-blowing i just loved i loved that it took theater to a new level i love like all the the entrance stuff of like the pre-show and the musicians and the how it's in the round and how it's just in like it it, it just, you just sucks you in and it just Again, it stayed with me. I kind of wanted to go and tell everybody about it. And it was just, it was one of those like amazing theatre moments that you go, this is why I love theatre, because mm -hmm. it's different. 
made me feel something and, and the people are brilliant and it's just it's out there and so yeah that's that's kind of the most recent thing for me yeah who did you get to see as MC and Sally it wasn't a massive name who I knew who it was so you know which kind of it's kind of what I liked I liked that I didn't have that hype of mm -hmm. someone you know which was which I which was really great it didn't kind of flurry anything it didn't it, yeah it was good sometimes it, it can take was, you out that was when you, too. you when you know the person and you're like oh i'm seeing so and so in this role you know it's like we saw two covers do it when we saw it and it was they were amazing absolutely amazing I'm a bit like that with sunset because obviously nicole's here doing sunset at the moment i'm a bit like i don't know if i just want to go and see nicole sing those songs or whether i actually just want to just try and switch off and go it's sunset boulevard oh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, you you obviously like have overlapped with Nicole a little bit, or you replaced her in Cats. What is what is she like in real life? I, I picture her on this like pedestal. <laughs> I mean, I didn't meet her that much. We kind of crossed over a couple of days, but she was beautiful and and lovely, and you know, very sweet. I just remember her accent, and she was like, <laughs> she was quiet and really kind of. It was just really. She spoke really slowly, and just it was. She was very calm. It was. She was lovely. Yeah, really sweet. So I do want to go and see her before it goes because it's going to be one of those shows that's going to be a snapshot, isn't it? And it's going to it be is. gone. Yeah. Although I could see you replacing her again and doing Norma. So listen, would you? Is that a role you'd love to play? <laughs> just put it out of the ether. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be amazing. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Carrie. I'm so glad that Joel put us in touch. You are such a delight. I knew you were. I mean, I, I, we Connor and I have loved you for years. We We've seen you in interviews and all these things and you're just a light and you just love what you do and it really comes through but you also seem like a really genuinely authentic person so thank you. that's really sweet it's been lovely to meet you and thank you for having me on your show and i look forward to my you know my people listening to this and 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 hearing all your other shows as well i'm gonna have to have a listen to oh of course thank and you we'll so hopefully be able to meet meet you one day whether we're back over there or you're over you're here. back here Absolutely. Well, we're friends now, so yes. that's it. <laughs> yes. Love it. And where can everybody find you online? I'm mainly is my Instagram, which is kerryellis79, not to show my age. Um, <laughs> and, and my website is just kerryellis.com. I kind of put everything on there, but yeah. Yeah, I and that's where it. everyone can buy all your music or they can stream it. And the new album is brilliant, so everyone will have to do that. While everyone is following you, they should follow us. We're at The Drama Podcast. I'm at Dylan McDowell. Connor is at Connor McDowell. Carrie, have a wonderful day. Thank you again for everything. And Connor, I will see you next time. Drama. I love that. I'm going to use that today. Drama. 